Today, my title is, Trust in the Lord with All Your Heart. Before we get there, I want to share with you a little bit. There it is, Trust in the Lord with All Your Heart. That's my dad. You know, that picture was taken uh, in 1931. He was 21 years old. You know, to be honest, I didn't know him until much later in his life. Right? Because I wasn't born yet. But, uh, you know, this reminds me, my dad was an interesting guy. You know, he always seemed to have a story to tell. You know, it was game for travel, game for adventure. You know, he, at 18 years, at 19 years old, he and a group of friends from Boy Scouts, believe it or not, decided to go to the World Jamboree in, in England. Now, you have to recall that in whatever that was, what is that, 1929, it was a little hard to get across the country. <laughs> so they drove in old cars, used cars. You know, the Campus Brothers would appreciate that, right, Campus folks? But uh, they were Model Ts. That was the uh, old car of the day. <laughs> and they drove to Chicago, which is a long ways from California. And uh, there they caught the train and then eventually uh, on a steamship or a ship uh, to England to uh, be, take part in, in a jamboree of Boy Scouts in England. You know, he would go on in the Air Force to be a radio operator before World War II. So um, that doesn't date me as much as it dates him, I think. <laughs> uh, he was a, a farmer for a number of years. Uh, he went bankrupt farming in the 50s. And so he decided uh, before I was born to take uh, the other four kids, my mom, and go on a little vacation. And so they went to Alaska from California. Um, it wasn't even a state then. Believe it or not. And he got up there and he said, this is awesome. And didn't go back. Didn't, didn't go back to get his stuff. Just didn't go back. They were there. Um, and he worked as an electrician up there. And, and I was born in Alaska. You know, and it, it makes me think about the things that I learned from my father. You know, there are still things that I do to this day because of what my dad taught me. And, and I, would, I would always call him daddy, believe it or not, when he was still alive until... You know, and that was in my late 40s. But, you know, I learned that uh, when I'm working on electrical circuit, Nate, if it's hot, I always put my left hand in my pocket because that way it's much harder to get electrocuted and die. So I learned that from my father. You know, that was a lesson I learned. You know, I learned that before you speak, you should listen. Because my dad would say that when you're quiet, people might think you're stupid. But sometimes when you open your mouth, they really know you are. <laughs> you know, so I, I still remember that. Uh, I learned that when it's freezing cold outside, like, like in Alaska freezing cold, it's better off to have a quart of gasoline than it is to have a quart of water. Because you can start a fire, there's snow, you can make all the water you want with a nice fire. <clears throat> you know, I learned, I learned how to drive a car, a truck, a tractor, a motorcycle, a plane, not because my dad taught me all those things, but because he thought it was possible, and he thought it was possible for me to do it. You know, my dad, my dad never went to college, but he was a well-educated guy. You know, when I struggled in college, and uh, my freshman year I got put on academic warning, so don't, don't follow in my footsteps that way. But he wrote me a note and said, you know, it would work out. And guess what? It did. It worked out. You know, my dad followed his heart. You know, he lost his first wife, my mom, to cancer when I was six years old. Uh, he would go on to marry twice, each time marrying a friend that had lost their spouse and then 
he would lose them to death. So basically, he outlived three wives. But, but from that lesson, you know, I learned that at times you need to follow your heart. And I'm married to my friend and my sweetheart, right? Right there, Jeanette. You know, my dad had many struggles. You know, he struggled in believing that God existed. He struggled in a long-term addiction to alcohol. But, you know, even in those challenges that he went through, I learned from him. I learned things to, you know, to focus on, things to avoid. But it was helpful to have an example from my father. You know, God uses the example of a father to help us understand how he feels about us. How he feels about his perfect son, Jesus, and the love that he has for us. You know, my father, handsome dude, right? I don't think I looked that good when I was 21. Do I do? Wow, it makes me feel good. I stand up a little straighter. Um, I wish I was 21 again. I would feel even better, right? But, you know, even though he wasn't perfect, I learned things from him that have made my life better. You know, Jesus was crucified for claiming that God was his father and that he spoke from God. You know, in John 1, it says that Jesus gave us the right to become children of God. It's a big deal to claim God as your father. God, Jesus killed. It really did. You know, my earthly father taught me many things, but my heavenly father taught me, gave me a perfect example in Jesus. And today I want to, I want to take a look at Proverbs 3 as we talk about that. It's funny, this, this scripture was on my heart last week. You know, sometimes you wake up from a deep sleep and, and you're thinking about a scripture. Um, it happens to me occasionally. Uh, usually I just wake up from a deep sleep and like Rouse video, I'm just glad to be alive. <laughs> but here it says uh, in Proverbs 3, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. If you haven't read Proverbs, it's unbelievable how many scriptures are there. That, I've heard that before, I've heard that before, I've heard that before. <clears throat> so this is, this is, I had to draw the lines here because I think I could have had the whole book of Proverbs if we, uh, if we continued. <clears throat> but you know, this whole idea of letting love and faithfulness never leave me. You know, as a son, you know, I try to use the good things that my father taught me by taking them to heart. You know, to let the warnings his life gave me, you know, the whole hand in the pocket, right? Don't get electrocuted lesson. So I can learn from them. I can grow from them. But you know, God speaks to me even more so in this proverb. You know, he, sees, he speaks to me by saying, don't forget my teachings. Don't forget what I said. Keep my commandments on your heart, Peter. You know, Jesus would later say that, that everything he said was exactly what the Father told him to say. He even said, he went out on a limb and he said, you know, my commands are not burdensome. They're not hard. Amen. I feel hard sometimes, right? You know, this whole idea of faithfulness, that, that's what God expects of us. And, you know, I was breaking it down. You know, I should have had Ralph, the English major, help me with this, right? But faithfulness. So you've got to have faith 
You've got to be full of it. So it's got to be complete. You've got to be full of faith. So much that nest, that's your, it, it represents you. So it's this characteristic about you. You're faithful through and through. You know, when I think about the gods, the things that God has taught me, you know, the things I've seen in Jesus that have been reinforced as, as a disciple, I just think of great examples of faithfulness uh, that I've seen. You know, we have a lot of great examples of faithfulness in, in this church right here. You know, it's exciting as I think about just the different things. And, you know, uh, I'm going to miss seeing my friend, my buddy, Giovanni. You know, I, I just hold him up. Uh, he and Nicole as great people of faithfulness. Yeah. You know, I've been able to see him almost weekly for uh, for uh, almost two years now. We, you know, he reached out to me because he used to drive my by my house on his way to work and back when he worked out in in Virgins. And so uh, I've shared before he helped me build bridges on my house, haul big hunks of wood, you know, around. He he uh, was able to climb up on the ladder. 30 feet in the air where I, you know, I would panic and die and fall off of the ladder. <laughs> but he was able to do that. And, you know, and more recently, you know, we spent time together just studying out how we can grow and mature as disciples. Yeah. You know, he, brother, you're a great servant of God. You're a humble man. Right. And I'm going to miss having you and Nicole uh, where I can see you often. <clears throat> but uh, I'm grateful that you still have a condo here and at least you'll have to come up occasionally for that so i love you I look forward to sharing more about that tomorrow night but you know god said uh you know that we should let love and faithfulness never leave us but later in proverbs it says in first in chapter 20 it says many a man claims to have unfailing love but a faithful man who can find Many people say that, that they love you. Many people say that they're faithful. But a faithful man, that's a hard thing. You know, it rings true, doesn't it? Think about it in our society. You know, marriage, in marriage, divorce, common, right? Yeah. 50%. I don't know what the latest stats are. We know a lot of people get divorced. In, in fact, I'm pretty sure less people are getting married today. They're just living together, having a relationship so that they don't have to worry about getting divorced. Why commit to a relationship that could break up? You know, in, in the news, we hear about perjury and dishonesty. You know, truthfulness is an uncommon thing lately. It's more common to hear people having to recant their stories, to change what they said, to re-explain what happened in the past. You know, even for us as, as disciples of Jesus, uh, we face a lot of challenges in being faithful to God. Right. Think about some of them. Forgiving other people. You know, Peter pulls Jesus aside and said, How many times do I have to forgive someone that sins against me? Do I really need to keep on forgiving somebody if they if they sin against me? And even if they you know, repent, do I have to forgive them? What well, one time, two times, three times? Jesus says, seventy times. Oh man, come on, that's not fair. That's a Matthew eighteen if you want to check it out. Uh, or maybe <coughs> You know, I remember studying the Bible. When you're studying the Bible, you get to a point. I got to a point where we read in the Bible, it said you have to repent and you have to be baptized to be a disciple. Uh, That was not what I wanted to hear because I felt like I was a Christian and I had not done those things. But when I read verses like 1 Peter 3 and it says, you know, it says that uh, baptism saves you, that, that challenged me. I had to decide. Was I going to be faithful to God's word and follow it or not? Raising your kids. 
You're struggling on how to raise your kids the right way, whether they are several months old or whether they are 30 years old or more, perhaps. And you read through and you think about it, you look, well, how are people doing it today? You know, what's the popular wisdom? What was the wisdom of my parents and my grandparents? How did, how did they turn out? How did I turn out? How are my friends' kids turning out? And then you read something in Proverbs that says, failing to discipline them is hatred toward them. Wow, that's strong. Hmm, where do I go with that? Or, or maybe it's in just in relationships. You know, you're in an intimate relationship with somebody. Or you want to be in an intimate relationship with them. And then you read in the Bible that having a a sexual relationship with someone that you're not married to is being unfaithful to God. That's Galatians 5. You want to check it out. Wow, that's challenging. Or maybe it's just even in having a pure heart. You know, you you want to be in an intimate relationship with someone. Or you think about that a lot. You know, you read, you know, we heard it famously said by Jimmy Carter that he confessed to that looking at a woman lustfully is the same thing as adultery toward God. Well, he, he didn't make it up. He got it out of Matthew 5. That's what the Bible says. It's challenging in our, in our culture today. Or maybe it's just even in loving one another deeply. You know, you've tried really hard to be a great friend to the people around you. You know, whether it's at school, reaching out to people at school or at work. Even in your family, sometimes we have family strife. It's brothers or sisters, cousins, parents, um, kids, uh, or even in the church. You know, we feel like I've loved you, I've given to you, uh, I've tried to make your life special, I've remembered your birthday, I've given you gifts, I've had lunch with you, I've been open, Um, I've loved you the best I could, um, and yet sometimes you feel like, I think I should just pull back. It's, It's too hard. It's too hard to keep doing that. It's too hard to keep being there. It's just, it's just not going to work. Love doesn't work. And then you hear Mike come up and give a sermon on 1 Corinthians 13 that says, Love never fails. You're like, wait a minute. It's failing for me. Let's go back to the proverb here. Let's look back at this proverb. And it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I don't know if you've ever bound something around your neck. It reminds me more of like the cloaks that they would wear, and they would bind them around their neck with, with a pin, maybe. So this morning, it was, our house, it was 34 degrees. Um, woo-hoo. I was struggling last night because Jeanette said, it's getting cold, and that usually means let's go cover up all the vegetables, which I did not want to do last night at 10.30 o'clock at night. <clears throat> so uh, she didn't push on it, and it didn't quite freeze, I don't think. We'll have to go see what died today. But, <clears throat> but you know, for many people, this is still shorts and sandal weather, you know, clearly. You know, with Ryan, it will probably be forever, but uh, <clears throat> it's going to get cold out there. You know, imagine wearing a loose... You know, imagine going out in short sleeves right now, and it's 20 below zero, like it was last winter. And the wind's picking up. It's, let's say it's just screaming. And every time the wind hits your exposed skin, you go, oh, stabbing at me. And you clutch the collar of your coat, and you pull it snug, you pull it tight, you bind it around your neck so you won't lose it. You, know, you want to stay warm and protected by the coat. You know, in Job chapter 30, Job talks about that. He says, God became like clothing to me. Now, for Job, it grabbed him and took him down in the dirt and the sand and, you know, and the dust. And it was rough. God was taking Job on a journey. 
you know, or, or in, 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 uh, in Ezekiel, or excuse me, in Lamentations, like we were singing from this morning, Jeremiah perhaps writes that the sins of the people have been bound up like a yoke, and they've been woven together, and they've been wrapped around my neck, and they're sapping my strength away. So you can have sin wrapped around your neck as well. But this image of it being around, our, being around us so tight that we can't get out of it, that's how love and faithfulness needs to connect to our lives. Think of stretch clothing. You know, it needs to be like stretched like sweatpants or, or, or spandex around you where God's love and faithfulness is directing, it's driving your life, it's tightly connected to us. You know, it says that we should write love and faithfulness on the tablet of our heart. You know, tablets in the day, they were different, right? They weren't iPads. That wasn't a tablet. <clears throat> a tablet, think of Moses and the Ten Commandments with these big, you know, I mean, a tablet, think of the big slab of stone that, you know, you could carry. You know, you know in the movies, I think Moses carried two. Um, they probably were heavy. But the thing that strikes me about a tablet is that it took special tools to write on it. Like it took, I guess, a chisel and a hammer. You know, so it wasn't like you were going to take a quick note. You were going to take a hammered out note. And, and you really weren't looking for long, wordy statements. You were trying to make them concise, brief, because adding an extra word or two meant chiseling in uh, even more words on that piece of stone. And, you know, hard. You know, imagine your date timer if you had such a thing as stone tablets, right? <laughs> Um, I like iPads. I think I'll just keep it on an iPad or an iPhone. But, but you, even going beyond that, beyond the, the difficulty in carving something into a tablet of stone, how about tabling, tableting and how about putting it in the tablet of the human heart? Yeah. How much harder is it to get stuff to be imprinted in your heart? You know, it talks about, you know, Jeremiah talks about it being an everlasting witness. That those stone tablets, they were written out so that they would be an everlasting witness of what had been written down. How much more when we develop a conviction in our heart that becomes an everlasting witness for us. You know, Paul talks about it in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, he writes to the Corinth church and says, you show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry. Written not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. God impacts us through people. You know, Paul says it was a result of our ministry. We went there to Corinth. We proclaimed Jesus. Jesus had an impact on you, and now you are not just different. You're not just clothed differently. You're clothed like you're clothed with God. You're clothed like you have His Word written on the tablets of your heart. It's not just a surface thing. I, you know, I saw on Facebook, we were doing some, some uh, what do you call it, tattoos, henna last night, right? And I think those are not permanent, right? Those are temporary. <laughs> you know, amen. But imagine if the things that were written on your heart were just temporary and they just washed off. How much better if they're, they're permanent? You know, you are to become a letter from Christ. He wants to write his message on your heart. His love and faithfulness want to be bound around your necks and written on your heart. Let's look back at Proverbs. So in continuing in verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This one really sticks to my heart. This is the, the passage that's in my memory that 
that came up when I was thinking the other, other evening. You know, that trusting in the Lord with all my heart. You know, how do I go about getting this love and faithfulness on like it was clothing? You know, how do I write it on the tablet of my heart? How do I write it in such a way that, uh, you know, we, I look to God instead of looking to my own understanding? You know, I don't know about you. My nature is first to think about, well, what do I think about that? What's it mean? You know, I tend to go to my own understanding rather than to go, well, you know, this passage is hard. I think I'm going to go God's way. You know, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10. In verse 13, it should be familiar. It says, no temptation has seized you except what's common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God is faithful. We want to look for faithfulness. Let's go to God. He says, when we are getting tempted, uh, it's in the same way as everyone else. It's common. So when I get tempted, it's the same way as the most spiritual, religious, awesome, godly... (coughs) powerhouse, role model, I'm tempted in the same way they are. You know what? But I'm tempted in the same way as the most evil, unspiritual, ungodly, awful, adjectives or whatever on there, person, I'm tempted in the same way. Because it's common to both of us. In fact, it's common Jesus was tempted in the same way that we are. Everything that I feel... The most godly, the least godly, Jesus, who's the the most godly, was tempted in the very same way. It's all common. So when I feel things like no one else is going through this kind of temptation, nobody has it as rough as I do, nobody has been burdened with a sin as much as I have, it's just not true. It's common. You know, it's common. However I'm feeling burdened by a sin, it's common to other people. You know, maybe I even feel that seems like I look to other brothers and sisters and they, they, they are challenged by something and they just repent of it quickly and they move on and everything is, is awesome. It reminds me of that song from, was it the Lego movie? Like, everything is awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's, you know, like, oh, that is phony. <laughs> um, sometimes it feels that way. You know, where is this way out that Paul writes about? Think about the ways out that you have not yet availed yourself of. You know, have you have you asked someone who knows you about why am I stuck in this? This is common to people, common to man. I'm struggling with it. How do you think I can get out of this? They might have some insight for you. They might have some wisdom. They might have some faithfulness for you. Uh, maybe it's even just praying about it. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to fast about this. God's faithful. I want to be faithful to Him and not feel like I'm stuck in this temptation. You know, in the middle of a temptation, it's really hard to imagine what the straight path, make your path straight, what the straight paths look like. Right. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In the ways where it's easy, there's some things that are easy. Some things are hard. But acknowledge Him in the ways that are hard. Uh, look over in Daniel 3. If you want to, I'll read it for a minute in a sec. But if you want, in Daniel 3, uh, there's a story there. You know, it's, it's about a bad guy, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he is pretty much into himself. He makes an idol. Anybody here ever made an idol? Yeah, not a real. I've never made a gold idol. <clears throat> he made a gold idol. Um, I don't. Know, I have like ten karat gold in my wedding. That's about all I got. And some of my teeth. <clears throat> but he made 
an idol 90 feet tall. So how tall was the ceiling, you think? 15 feet? Not basketball. It's not basketball goal height, right? So it's maybe, maybe almost 50% more. So maybe it's 20 feet. Um, so he made a goal, uh, an idol that was five, four or five times taller than the ceiling. <clears throat> it's pretty big. Probably could almost see that from Shelburne. Um, and if it was flat, maybe. And it was nine feet wide. And uh, he was I'm pretty proud of it. So he said, we're going to have this special jingle made up where all the musical instruments play. And when you hear that music, you're to bow down to this and worship my idol because it's pretty awesome. And he then put out, you know, we're going to have a penalty if you don't worship the idol. We're going to burn you in a furnace. That's the deal. That's sort of the rule. And so... uh, that would be hard. That would really call your faithfulness into play, right? Yeah. <clears throat> 90-foot idol, hear the music. And, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, got a, they, they didn't worship the king's idol. They're just not down with that. They were going to be faithful to God. And it was a little bit, I guess, before some of their co-workers turned them in, ratted them out. And so uh, the king brought them in, and he gave them a chance to repent. He said, okay, just start doing it now. It'll be fine. But in verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. The king was so mad, he was furious. He had, the, he had his staff. You know, they, they had burn people up mode. And that's what the furnace was already set to. It was sufficient to kill anybody that they put into it. He said, turn it up seven times hotter. That's, you know, I don't even know what that is. Seven times hotter than what it takes to burn people up. So hot that they, when the, the, uh, the guards threw uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, they died just getting close to the furnace. But you know, everybody knows, you know the story, they survived. They didn't burn up, they didn't get singed, you know, <clears throat> they came out unburned. Uh, I like to say they were fired up for obeying God. <clears throat> they even, as you read the scriptures, they got a promotion out of this. And what are you going to say? He's got nothing on them. Oh, we're going to follow God. Oh, okay. I mean, the king has to let has to <laughs> might as well make them promoted. They, 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 nothing I got can even seven times hotter is not going to going to wear them out. You know, every temptation that I experience, God has already I call it pre-flight. He's already been through that experience. He's determined in advance that I can bear it. I can get through it without sinning. You know, He's already provided a way out for me that I can stand up under it. Perhaps not get out of it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get out of the temptation or the struggle. Maybe not even avoid it. Sometimes I like to avoid things. I think it's okay to avoid temptation if you can. A bad situation. But he says, there's enough for me to stand up. And I can stick it out in spite of the temptation. I don't have to go in the wrong direction. He's given me a way out. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they expected God to bring them out of the fire furnace. Yeah, but even if he didn't, they still were going to be faithful to their God. You know, trusting God with some of our heart, that's easy. 
You know, when they swear you in in court, I've never been a witness in court, but I've watched a lot of law and order. When they swear people in, they say, you've got to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You know, anything less than that is what? Perjury. It's a crime. You know, it, it is, right? You know, we're held to that same standard in our life of, as a disciple of yet, our yes being yes and our no, no. Uh, we're expected to tell the truth in every situation. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to know, hard to tell the truth when you know other people in the same situation who aren't following God. Did you follow, follow along with that? Are lying. People are lying. I mean, what, I have to tell the truth, and I, I, I get a suffering here, and someone right next to me who I work with is lying, and they get nothing for it. It's not fair. It's not right. That's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt. I don't know if they felt that way, but that was the reality. You know, they got turned in. Whatever, worship the gold god, no problem. Our God cares. He knew knew about that. Um, Wouldn't it just be easier to lie? You know, when someone asks me how I'm doing spiritually, I can just say, fine, and they will leave me alone. Unless they really sort of sense that you're lying. But, you know, sometimes I can just say, I'm fine. You know, or just other scriptures. You read a scripture and, um, and uh, you know, you just, I don't know if I really want to do that. You know, I read things like, like Psalm 101 that says, I'll put no vile thing before my eyes. I will put anything in front of myself that's ungodly. I think that's a challenge in our media society where there are lots of ungodly things out there that you would never do, but you can see all the time. Think about that. Or even just in my thoughts. Sometimes I can think about things and nobody knows. Am I going to be truthful, faithful, full of God's spirit in what I'm thinking? I want to tell you a story here as we finish up. Um, Again, I didn't have my my video act together. I would have taken the video. But, you know, over the summer, there was a a video on CBS News. We watch uh, every Friday night. There's a guy named Steve Hartman. If you haven't seen it, you know, maybe you're not old enough to watch TV news. But um, it's a great story about, about how, how something miraculous has happened. And this story was amazing in that it was a husband and wife. And uh, the, uh, the wife was in New York City and got hit by a car. And she, uh, she was in a coma for a month, you know, variously seriously injured. And at the end of it, when she came back out of the coma, she had forgotten the last 15 years of her life. So in those 15 years, 15 years ago, she was married to a different guy who had passed away. Her, she remembered her now 18-year-old and 16-year-old kids. She remembered them as being two and, you know, and whatever. She lost the last 15 years of their life. She didn't even remember her current husband. I've never seen you. Who are you? And so what he did, he chose to, in their house, everywhere you could see, put up pictures of things that they had gone through. And he proceeded to decide, I'm going to restart this relationship from the very beginning. I guess I have to court you. And so he proceeded to date her, court her, even to this day, uh, sitting down with her and say, well, look at this family picture of things we're doing. You know, you did this and I did that to help bring back her memory. And at the end of it, she decided that he was the one. 
And they renewed their vows. I guess technically they didn't have to get remarried because they were still married. She just knew nothing of it. But she made a decision that I will now uh, come back from where I was. You know, I will, I will rejoin it. I, I have a new start. And that's what I like to think about in faithfulness. Imagine what it would be like if we were clothed with faithfulness and love. You know, imagine it was like spandex on our body. Uh, or as some others say, like white on rice. You know, imagine, you know, trust in God with everything you've got. Letting your own, under, your own understanding take the back seat. You've decided to just let God be in charge. You know, think about the areas that I've been holding back and my trust of God. I'm going to take time this week to put this verse into practice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. Amen.